Every Wednesday from 2 to 3 p.m., WRFL invites you to office hours, real-world conversations with UK professors. No appointment necessary. Representing the 16 colleges across campus, Office Hours brings professors from every corner of UK to share their adventures in academia. Go beyond the syllabus and learn more about the people behind the research. We'll be demystifying higher education one interview at a time. Stop by every Wednesday afternoon. Office Hours is available online via wrfl.fm or on the airwaves on 88.1 FM, Radio Free Lexington. Hello, welcome to Office Hours on 88.1 WRFL, Radio Free Lexington. I'm your host, Sarah Schutze, here with Brian connors Mankey, our boardmaster. Hi, Brian. Hi there. Hello. That was a very... It's a lovely Wednesday afternoon. Who wouldn't wouldn't be cheerful and full of sunshine? It's true. Hopefully you've been listening, and how could you not be, every week to Office Hours. And the last couple of weeks we've been talking with uh, A&S professors at UK about exciting and innovative summer education abroad programs they've been leading. If you want to hear those episodes um, on Spain and Morocco, Cuba, China, another trip to Spain, one to Czech Republic, then check out the ANS website. Also, be sure to check out the Education Abroad website to browse through all the fascinating programs that are, are available. And, and yeah. there are also, uh, there's also a podcast um, tab on the WRFL site, and they're also there as there well. There you go. There you go. So may, there's no excuse. We're so, we're so widely kind of accessible. That's it's right. insane. <laughs> we have two fantastic guests with us today in the studio. We're talking with Matt Giancarlo of English. Hi, Matt. Hi, glad to well, be here. Welcome. And Susan Roberts of Geography. Nice Hi there. to see you. Thanks for being here. Um, will the two of you just say a few things about yourselves, introduce yourselves, and we'll dive in. I'm uh, an associate <coughs> professor of English here at the University of Kentucky, and my specialty fields are early British literature and medieval literature. Great. And I am a professor of geography. Uh, I'm interested in human geography and, in particular, political and economic geography. So I study why some places on the earth are relatively rich and some are relatively poor. Fantastic, which sounds like it's connected to the program that you're leading this summer. And both of you are leading summer education abroad programs to different locations. Um, Matt, you're leading a class or program to Italy. Right, to Arezzo, Italy. And this will be happening during the summer two session during, from June 14th to July 26th. Great. And Sue? Yes, our program is uh, in Oaxaca, which is a state in southern (coughs) Mexico, and it also is in the second summer session, the eight-week session. Great. So if you want to work a little bit in May, earn up the cash to... to, Fund yourself, or go from your first travel abroad right. in session <laughs> to one to China or Cuba, for example. <laughs> and you should re- please remember that the Education Abroad program does offer scholarships, and um, we've had lots of uh, endorsements for asking your families for for funding, which is always a good idea as well. Did either of you study abroad in your undergrad or graduate work? So you mentioned some well, research. Yes, I've done research abroad, um, and I'm, I have itchy feet, so I like to travel <laughs> anyway. Uh, I didn't really study abroad. I am not from the U.S., but I did my graduate work here, but I kind of moved my whole life here rather than just coming for a semester or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, uh, I never even really thought about studying abroad when I was an undergraduate all those years ago. It never really was on my radar. Uh, it was, I think, a lot more difficult in 
previous decades to arrange and and schedule study abroad. And now it's much, much easier, and it's also more integral, I think, to the undergraduate experience. So I'm very happy to be able to participate in this way uh, through the UK Education Abroad Office. Have either of you organized programs like this in the past, or is this your first stab at it? Well, this program that I am participating in, the summer study in Arezzo, has actually run for, I think, at least three or four years prior. It's the same destination, and it's largely the same program, but we have shifted things around, and I'm a new faculty member who's participating in it before. So before, it was run uh, out of the Department of Modern and Classical Languages, and the co-director, Ioana Larco, is the professor of Italian who is the main organizer for the study abroad in Arezzo. So while I have not done it before, this is a program that has an established history. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, the same story with the Oaxaca program, actually. It was established in 1999. It's one of the oldest, I think, wow. UK faculty-led study abroad opportunities at UK. <coughs> um, and I do not teach it in person that there, we have a, an alum of our graduate program who is who lives in Oaxaca, and um, he's the one. He's an adjunct faculty member in geography at UK, and he's the one who teaches the courses. But myself and others from UK who have research interests in Oaxaca often show up for various parts of the course, <laughs> uh, a couple of days here and there. Oh, so there's great. some contact with with us here as well. That's fantastic. And I want to say the correct names of each of your programs. Yours, Matt, it's... Vivere Italia, and it is Study Abroad in Arezzo. So if you go to the Education Abroad website and you look for it, um, you should look for the title, I believe it is, uh, Vivere Italia, Italian Language, Art, and Culture in Tuscany. Okay. And the name of our program is um, Social and Environmental Justice in Southern Mexico. And there is one other program that's traveling to Oaxaca, yes. but it's not that one. No. That's the composing ethnography of yes. Oaxaca. Um, uh, it would be an amazing thing if a student could do the four-week yeah. program with Professor Alvarez and then transition into the eight-week with uh, Professor Froehling you would get a lot of credits. Yes. One air ticket. <laughs> That's true. That's and it's true. a cheap place to be. And yeah. it sounds like they might even overlap those programs a little bit. They are quite distinct, but some of the same themes, I mm-hmm. think, will be treated mm-hmm. from different disciplinary perspectives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What it, level of students do you think you are? You have in mind for this? What what period in their in their academic career do you think students should be thinking about these programs? Well, for the study abroad in Arezzo, Italy, we have designed it so that it would be a good program for students who have completed their freshman year on up through their, even their junior and maybe even heading into their senior Mm -hmm. year. We have courses in introductory level language study, 200 level cultural study that also count towards the UK core inquiry into humanities requirement, and 300 level arts and sciences literary study. So depending on what a student wants and what would best fulfill their needs for their curriculum, any number of students could participate and benefit with UK credits. Mm-hmm. And, and Sue, how about you? Same yeah, kind similar of thing? story, uh-huh. although we have in the past had students, and I think we will this summer too, have students who are almost graduating. And actually, in one case, this will be the student's last credits that he needs to graduate. Mm, with a what degree. a way to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. He, he plans on traveling a little bit afterwards, so I think it will 
it'll fit perfectly with his plans. Mm-hmm. And what majors or um Maybe I should. I'll rephrase that because if if they're starting out, possibly at the end of their freshman year, they may be undecided, maybe exploring. Do they have to have a major declared that's in line with the programs that you're leading? Do they have to have a kind of a, a specific level of language proficiency for for to travel to Italy or to Oaxaca? Sue, there's no level that you need to be at. You don't have to have had a certain number of credits or anything for our program. You have to be interested and seriously interested in uh, environmental issues and or social issues. Um, It helps too to be a good student because the courses are quite demanding and it's an intense educational experience. It's not a kind of lie on the beach and take some courses in the evening kind of thing. It's Mm -hmm. an all day a long classroom experience during the week. Um, it's not to say it's not fun, but it's it's for students who are really seriously interested in these issues. And as far as majors go, it doesn't matter what your major is. We have had students from lots of majors who've really thrived in this program. Mm-hmm. For the study abroad in Italy, we've designed it so that it would be particularly beneficial for students majoring in Italian, but also in English. But in truth, any student who has requirements for their curriculum, say a language requirement that they need to fulfill, or the UK core requirement, as I just mentioned, or a 300-level course requirement for the arts and sciences degrees, can benefit from taking these classes. The way the program is designed currently is that the morning will be devoted to language study, and we are tentatively planning classes in Italian at the 100 and 200 level. So students who actually want to begin a foreign language to take care of their language requirement, or if they're just interested in learning a bit of introductory Italian, can enroll in the program and do that. In the afternoon, there will be offered a course in Tuscan art and history and culture, as well as a 300-level English class in topics and literature, Italy in the English literary imagination. And that 300-level class, as I've mentioned before, will count towards humanities credit. It will count towards 300-level arts and sciences requirement credit. And would also count towards the English major. Mm -hmm. So the morning classes would be taught in Italian, in introductory-level Italian at the 100 or 200 level. And the afternoon classes are both taught in English. Great. Before we get into some more of the meat of these classes, some of the bigger goals that you have, some of the projects that you have in mind. Let's take a short break and come back for more office hours. Well, we had a little haunting mm-hmm. uh, number um, titled Owaka for uh, Sue's um, Education Abroad uh, program, and that was Daniel Lenoir, the famous uh, producer uh, of, uh, of uh, I don't know. You can throw out about a, a number of any huge bands, and I'd say, yes, he's produced you 2 and, and so on. And so, uh, yeah, but now back with Sarah and Sue and Matt to talk more about their programs. Uh, Sue, you, t- you mentioned you had itchy feet, which is such a great expression, to, uh, a desire to travel. And um, hopefully other st- many students feel the same. And you tell us more about um, how they might satisfy those itchy feet and what, what they'll be doing in your program in Oaxaca this summer. Sure. Um, so I can start with a kind of daily mm-hmm. ritual or rhythm, which is uh, all our students stay in homestay environments. That is, they stay with families in houses relatively near to the school where the classes are held in the weekdays. 
And so a typical day would be breakfast with the family, where Spanish is the language. So typically, there'll be some family member who has some English, but Spanish is the daily language in the house. So that's a great opportunity to improve your language. And I should mention that you can do this program with a just basic level of Spanish. The more you have, the more you'll get out of it, but basic Spanish is, is fine. Is there a course that they need to have taken in Spanish? Not okay. really. We say two years okay. of, of high school Spanish. And that's something they can just, a student can gauge on their, uh, on yes. their own. They don't have to do yes. a, an exam or anything. I think it would be very difficult to go and really enjoy this program and thrive in it with zero Spanish. Mm -hmm. But if you have even basic Spanish, you'll be fine. And then actually the next, the very first classes in the morning are optional Spanish classes. Hmm. These are add-ons to the program. They are not included in the UK deal. They're private lessons, usually one or two students in each, um, with each teacher. And that's tailored to the student's level. So if they are a beginner, it's a beginning class. If they're more advanced, it's a more advanced class. So... Uh, but that's up to each student to put that together, and uh, we help them with that. Okay, that's a great option. Yeah, and then, but students actually find their Spanish gets much better anyway, mm -hmm. with or without the lessons, because of the homestay and just being in Oaxaca mm -hmm. and being in Mexico generally. So after the Spanish, if they're taking Spanish, they go straight into their geography classes, and that would be one of the three classes that we offer as part of this program. Uh, there's a regional geography course, which is an introduction to Mexico and to southern Mexico, especially to the human geography and environmental mm. geography of the state and the region. Uh, it's one of the most biodiverse regions on Earth, and it's amazingly uh, rich in terms of flora and fauna. So that's part of it. It's also very socially diverse. There are 16 indigenous languages. Actually, there are more, but there are 16 main indigenous languages spoken as first languages by people in Oaxaca. Wow. So it's it's a, a very interesting place if you're interested in um, different sorts of people and ways of life. Mm -hmm. So that course covers that. Then um, the other course is a 300-level course on environment and development, which stresses the connections between the environment and uh, social and economic development. So looks to the different regions of Oaxaca, the high mountains, the coastal regions, the valley regions, and sort of tries to understand how they have developed or uh, not, as the case may be, how they've been exploited in some cases uh, through history. And the third class, which is, these are staggered somewhat, so the third class is mostly in the later part of the program, is uh, deals with research. And that's where the students right. get to do their own research project and with uh, help from the faculty. Mm -hmm. Research is really a big part mm -hmm. of the program based on the description that you have and, and the syllabus that you have posted. Um, what kind of projects do you imagine students might be doing and how will this research play out? What kinds of projects do you imagine? Yeah, so in the first two courses, students do a lot of field work. So they're taken to different communities, some rural communities, farming communities. Uh, they're taken to mining communities. They're taken to places in the city of Oaxaca, various uh, settlements, for example, meeting the community leaders, meeting activists, meeting uh, people engaged in environmental oh. issues. And so through that, they usually get a pretty good sense of what kinds of issues I are see. ongoing in regards to social and environmental justice in Oaxaca. And they typically, students will typically really find something to study from those course experiences. 
Um, and with those contacts, they will begin to formulate a project and uh, execute it. And I can give you some examples of some Please, recent yeah. projects. Yeah. So um, people have studied the development of ecotourism in the Sierra Norte, which is a region uh, close to the city of Oaxaca, where there is great potential for the kind of ecotourism that's being discussed in eastern Kentucky, for example. Mm-hmm. They're experimenting with that. Um, Interesting. Others have done work, a lot of students have done projects on migration. They've sure. looked at impacts on families left behind when young people from the family migrate to the U.S., for example. Also, more recently, looked at the, um, the migration of uh, migrants from Central American countries through Oaxaca, mm-hmm. through southern Mexico, up to the U.S., um, and looking in particular, I think, of one project where um, student looked at the work of the shelter uh, in um, Ixtepec, in the isthmus of Oaxaca, to uh, help with the migrants' welfare. So there's all sorts of research mm-hmm. projects and opportunities. And they don't have to have something in mind before they go on for this program. It's something that develops organically out of the coursework. and Pretty much, although mm-hmm. usually there's some connection. You know, mm-hmm. So um, we had one student who was very interested in ideas of liberation theology, oh. uh, a kind of radical version of the Catholic gospel. And uh, he did a project looking at liberation theology's impact in Oaxaca. It was a little bit more historical. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there's scope for all sorts of mm-hmm. projects. Mm-hmm. And a real um, opportunity to do firsthand research, like you say, field work, mm-hmm. not something that you can necessarily do in here in Kentucky at, at their home institution. Yeah. It, it really, you've really provided all the resources for, for that. Yeah, and there's a, quite a bit of training in research methods uh-huh. and in the ethics of research because doing research in places like southern Mexico is it's, it's a very sensitive issue and one has to be quite skilled or at least very well trained and aware of some of the pitfalls. So students are really helped to understand how best to conduct research that not only benefits them, mm-hmm. but that does no harm to those uh, about whom they're researching, for example. First, do no harm should also be the, <laughs> the, the, yeah. the um, rule of thumb for researchers of all kinds. Um, and another important uh, factor of this class is the um, rapid urban development of Oaxaca, the region that you're, that you're focusing on. Really, could it be anywhere else? In Mexico or another part of maybe in Central America? I don't know. Is there another, is it specific, is there something so unique about Oaxaca that makes this the right place? Oaxaca is a very uh, special place. It has lots of things unique to itself. However, some of the issues that are studied do pertain to other cities Mm -hmm. around the world. So, for example, the question of how to supply clean water, especially to a city to neighborhoods which are developing through irregular settlements, i.e. there are squatter settlements that then become kind of more like regular neighborhoods. How do you get clean water into such a settlement? Mm -hmm. And what are the politics around that? And what are some of the environmental issues connected with doing that and with not doing that? So, yeah, I mean, some of the issues are very specific to Oaxaca, but others kind of one can imagine could be um, experienced elsewhere. Mm -hmm. But Oaxaca is a very... Um, good place to look at these issues because it's quite accessible. Um, it's a it's a big city, but it's also a very navigable place, so it's easy for students to get a handle on the place. So, if they haven't lived in a city environment, then this is a place that they could figure out. This is a perfect place for a small <laughs> town people to discover city life. It's um, 
it's a fantastic pedestrian city. Uh, you can walk for miles and just uh, be surprised at every turn with things that are going on and things you see. Mm-hmm. What kinds of um, fun things do you, do you imagine students doing in their free time? I know you mentioned this is also fun. <laughs> and the research fun. itself is fun, but what else might they explore on their own outside of classes and trips and things? The things that students like to do outside classes, they like to eat. Oaxaca is famous for its food, so students very quickly uh, learn what they like about Oaxacan food, and some of them what they don't like, but mostly what they like. Um, what they don't like, by the way, is usually the fried grasshoppers. But, um, oh, really? Yeah. But <laughs> what they funny. like is pretty much everything else. So um, going out to eat is cheap, it's interesting, and you taste flavors that you cannot get anywhere else on earth, which is why, by the way, Oaxaca is very popular right now with chefs. Oh. So there's a lot of chefs go there to learn about these things. Um, and students also like to go out and just hang out. There's a lot of public space in Oaxaca. It's, um, and it's full. It's full of people. So you can sit in the central square, which is called the Zoclo, and you can nurse a Coke or a beer or whatever, and you can watch people go by, and you can meet other young people who are traveling or studying like you. Um, and pretty soon, UK students find they have a bunch of friends in Oaxaca. The, the key question that we keep coming back to in office hours is how expensive is the beer in these locations? This seems to be a very important question, I imagine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm not going to promote the program based okay. on the price of beer, but let me just say it's cheaper than it is in Lexington. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Great. Well, should we take another short break and then we'll come back for more office hours in just a moment. We heard Como Sera by... Um, Annalita Downs and that was per request from one of our guests Sue Roberts because uh, the artist is um, was from uh, Oaxaca so tied it all together nicely and uh, we're going to hear more things about all the wonderful programs going on and uh, more with Matt and Sue. That's right. Welcome back to Office Hours. This is 88.1 WRFL Radio Free Lexington. We've been talking with Sue Roberts of Geography and Matt Giancarlo of English about their summer study abroad, education abroad programs. Um, Matt, let's talk about this amazing trip to Italy. That sounds better and better. All of these trips just are so enticing. It's Heartbreaking to think that <laughs> Brian and I will be here this summer. Perhaps not. Um, tell us, why don't we start with just te- uh, learning a little bit more about the region. What's well, Arezzo? Certainly. Or it's, it's the, uh, the Tuscan region, which has history that goes way, way back, of mm-hmm. course. And the cultural study that the Study Abroad program will have tries to touch on the various eras that are important for um, Tuscan history and its uh, in both ancient, uh, medieval, and modern phases. So Etruscan era in Tuscany goes back to 750 B.C. to 500 B.C., and the Etruscan period was, or the Etruscans were a tribe that uh, were separate from the Romans and had their own traditions of culture, language, art, monuments, architecture. Um, and so we would be studying a bit about the Etruscan history of the region um, and visiting museums and locations for that. As well, uh, taking a look at some of the Roman period antiquities um, in the region and getting to know the geography of the city and of the locale, taking excursions to places like Orvieto, um, and then as well uh, going to Renaissance centers like Florence and Siena 
to see some of the art, architecture, culture, and to experience the city life of that part of mm -hmm. Tuscany. Um, as it's reputed to be, Tuscany is just a beautiful region of Italy, and it's a wonderful time of year. It's very warm. It's very sunny. Uh, the food is wonderful. Um, the, uh, the, the town that we are staying in, uh, in Arezzo, it's, in some ways it's a bit like Lexington. It's not too big. It's not too small. It's not as touristy as a larger town like Florence and certainly not as busy and bustling as Rome. Mm -hmm. And you really do get a sense of the locale and of the people. It has its own traditions and events. One of the events that we will be attending is the La Giosta del Saracino, which is a civic event, yearly civic ritual, where they have a jousting tournament in the How city fun. square. Right, right. <laughs> the different neighborhoods come out and they root for their, their different champions. Um, and it's something that goes back centuries in Arezzo. Wow. Uh, we would have opportunity as well to experience some of the civic life in places like uh, Siena. So the normal run of the day for the students who participate in the program would be to have language study in the morning uh, and to do a little bit of, of language learning in Italian. And then we would break for lunch. And then we would have cultural and literary study in the afternoon, probably going to about 3, 3.30 in the afternoon. And then the later afternoons and the evenings are free for students to do what they want to do. Um, to uh, arrange their own eating and living arrangements, mm. um, or I'll talk about that in a minute. The living arrangements actually are, are scheduled and planned by the, by the program. But this is just to say that there's free time for students to do what they wish to do um, in the afternoons and then on the weekends as well. Oh, great. So yeah. they can explore the rolling hills and the cities and things like that, whatever, whatever interests they may have. Yes, in and area. in previous years, that's what students have done. Um, in addition to the uh, planned excursions to the various museums, sites, and some of the other cities, students have occasionally decided to take a whole weekend and go off and see different things on their own, or to, of course, explore the city of, of Arezzo on their own. Mm -hmm. yeah. And just sitting and absorbing in a, an environment like that, like Sue, you described in Oaxaca, and Randall um, Rhoda talked about last week in the Czech Republic, just getting out, walking, sitting and observing the people and you know absorbing it all is just Certainly. part of the process. Yeah, and that's experience. a very big part of it. And Arezzo is not so, as I said, overrun by tourists that you're going to be hearing English everywhere you go. You, it actually helps to have learned or to be learning a bit of Italian um, to be able to get around, to be able to order food at the local restaurants and eateries, um, to be able to interact with people who are in the community. And for language study, that's the best environment mm -hmm. um, where you are not only learning the basics of the language, but you're putting it into practice in a day-to-day -day environment. But as well, the cultural study and the literary study classes are conducted in English, and it's very easy to do both of those because the history of the Tuscan region and its cultural richness have been so important for Europe and America and for the English literary tradition in particular. So we're hoping to provide a kind of, of good interplay between the familiarity of the student's own language and their experience in an educational setting with the indigenous experience of Italian culture, art, language, food, so forth. Absolutely. Is there a time period that you're that the classes on culture and literature will be focusing on in art, is, or is it really an expansive kind of study? For the 
Italian 263 class, which is the course in Tuscan art, history, and culture, that will be very comprehensive. It will go from, as I said, from the ancient Etruscan period on up to the medieval um, and Renaissance period. Right. For the English 338 topics in literature, Italy in the English literary imagination, that will go from the late Middle Ages, that is the earliest we're going to go is probably going to be the late 14th century and 15th century, on up to the modern period. Um, wow. Italy has loomed very large in the English language and English national literary imagination um, for a very long time. And so we would beginning with some uh, we would be beginning with some literature from early writers like Chaucer, uh, who was an, the earliest English translator of, uh, of uh, Boccaccio, Dante, and Petrarch. And in fact, Arezzo was the hometown of Francis Petrarch. So we'll be reading a little bit of English uh, literary translations from those Italian authors. Then going on to some of the plays of Shakespeare, um, reading some uh, Gothic literature, you know, that the, the start of the tradition of Gothic literature really was from the English encounter and the English imagination of Italy. And so um, Anne Radcliffe's The Italian or Horace Walpole's uh, Castle of Otranto. Yeah. Um, those foundational Gothic novels. And then that course would end in the modern era. One book that I really am looking forward to teaching in this context is the English travel writer Norman Lewis has a wonderful and very provocative memoir of his time during World War II when he was stationed in Naples called Naples 44, a World War II diary of occupied Italy. And it's just fascinating for the way in which a, an English literary writer um, sees the Italian culture and um, the sort of Italian way of life. Mm -hmm. And that, that contrast and that range provides a wonderful way for us to encounter and to think about how we encounter other ways of living, even as in a European culture they're in many ways very, very close to our own, mm -hmm. but in other ways rather distant, mm -hmm. and rather unique and new. Mm -hmm. And what kinds of assignments will students be doing? Is there a final paper? Is there uh, a project or a research project they have to take on? Well, what are you for the that? language class, we anticipate that the kinds of assignments they would be doing for introductory level Italian or for beginning advanced Italian would be very traditional language sure. study <coughs> sorts of things. It's really the best for way the, to learn. Yeah. yeah. Um, for the Italian culture course, Italian 263, it is an inquiry in the humanities class which will require students to participate in excursions to museums and to sites and to participate in activities in the town of Arezzo and elsewhere. And cool. they will be assigned reflections um, and uh, uh, to provide some feedback and critical assessment of what they've experienced. Mm -hmm. So we anticipate um, writing assignments and reflection assignments mm -hmm. for that course. And then for the literature course, they will be rather traditional assignments on um, critical analysis of the books that we've read, maybe some creative work, too, or thinking about their own experiences Great. in Italy and how they are inflected or reflected by the literature that they're reading. Yeah. So we're hoping to get a range, but things that really are not too unfamiliar. Do you think students have assumptions about, about this region or traveling to Italy <clears throat> or expectations that you think this, this experience might blow up in a way, in good ways. <laughs> well, I don't know. It would be interesting to know. Um, it's hard to say if, particularly if UK undergraduates or uh, people in the UK community have any assumptions about 
uh, Italian culture, language, literature, those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, other than perhaps some of the traditional ones that it's a it's a southern Mediterranean it's a southern European Mediterranean culture. It's it's very emotional. It's very um, artistic and expressive. Um, it sort of straddles the line between uh, beauty and challenge, and maybe sometimes it can be both uh, attractive and scary at the same sure, time. Sure. Yeah. And so maybe interrogating some of those thoughts about the way Italy looms in our cultural imaginations mm-hmm. is what I would hope to do. Absolutely. It makes sense with, with the design of the class. Yeah. Mm. Some reflection on their part with that. Yes. And Sue, if you mind, I would turn the same question to you. What kinds of assumptions or expectations do you think students have about traveling to this part of the world in Oaxaca? I think there are a lot of stereotypes about Mexico um, that people have in their heads uh, before they get there. But Oaxaca is quite different from most of those stereotypes and I know many students have felt their eyes have been opened very wide by experiencing the real Mexico, Mexico beyond the Tex-Mex kind of image. Um, I think one of the problems that we have uh, or the students sometimes have is persuading mum and dad that it's okay to go to Mexico because you hear so many negative stories in the news nowadays about um, killings and lawlessness and corruption and all the rest of it. And it's important to stress that um, Oaxaca is mostly not uh, the story in those, or is not the location for those news stories. Um, Oaxaca, thankfully, is quite um, insulated from narco trafficking mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. So it's really a very peaceful place compared to uh, the stories that, or the impression that you may have mm-hmm. from the news about Mexico. Mexico is a big country, and mm-hmm. there are lots of different kinds of places. And, Oaxaca is one of the safest places to go. And it has a long history of hosting students for um, education from other parts of Mexico and also foreign students um, flock to Oaxaca to study. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. We are up for another break, and then it's our last segment. I don't know how this time goes by so quickly every week, but stay tuned for more Office Hours. That lovely guitar piece uh, was called... Uh, a red so morning so it could be like if you were just waking up that morning oh, in Italy aw. like that could be serenading you by your window I don't know that's exactly what it's like <laughs> a vineyard out your window exactly exactly so the smell of bread baking just some more visuals to maybe you know tempt you <laughs> Uh, well, actually, the Arezzo Study Abroad program, the students will be housed in a 17th century converted palazzo. Oh, my goodness. Yes, it's a very nice facility. We won't say that oh. it's a, exactly palatial, but it's very good. And students will oh. be rooming together. And the, the housing that's provided is within walking distance of the program uh, school facilities and as well to the historic downtown area. That's amazing. That sounds so majestic and just perfect, yeah. idyllic. So we're back from our break, and we want to co- make sure to cover all the nuts and bolts that you need to know. Even if you're slightly curious about these programs, be sure to check out the website, um, the Education Abroad website that has program descriptions up. But let's hear from Sue Roberts and Matt Giancarlo about some of the things you want to be sure to remind people about or let them know about your programs. What do, What are the facts that we need to come away with? Well, first of all, if anybody has any questions at all, I'm happy to answer them. So send me an email or stop by my office. I seem to live in POT on the eighth floor. (laughs) So come on by or send me an email and I'll respond very quickly to any queries you might have. 
Um, but the nuts and bolts, basically, this is a great program for students interested in the environment, interested in uh, any social issues at all, um, interested in getting a research experience, um, a supervised research experience. Mm -hmm. um, it is also a great program because you get nine <coughs> UK credits. You take three regular UK courses in the summer to uh, session. So you can really work your way towards a degree with this program and it doesn't delay you sometimes people think oh I can't do study abroad because it will delay my right. time to degree actually the opposite can be true this can actually speed your time to degree and second thing it's a very affordable program uh, all the details about the prices are on the website um, but you are getting an amazing experience for a really good price because there's really no middleman. It's just UK faculty teaching UK courses um, and not uh, taking a big cut. Mm -hmm. So basically you're getting a very high quality uh, set of courses for a very decent price. And this is really one of the only times you'll have in your life to do this. You know, we've all been through that those years and, and some of us have expressed the, the regret of not having having it taken advantage of it, so do that now. I mean, the expense seems negligible based yeah, on the value I think of the trip. People do worry about the airfare, I think. They mm -hmm. worry about getting together, the money for an international airfare. <clears throat> um, and I think that's something that if you commit to this program, you can start planning for it immediately, mm -hmm. um, talking to, to people who might help you, applying for the Education Abroad grants, which are um, have a deadline of March 1st, as, as do our programs. So uh, it's something to be aware of. But... It can, it can be very doable for mm -hmm. students. Yeah, and I'd like to reiterate what Susan has said also for the Arezzo program. Students who enroll in the program can earn up to eight direct UK credits. That would be four credits for one of the language courses, three credits for either the Tuscan culture or three credits for the English literature course. And if a student really wanted to be hardworking, they could combine both the culture and the literature course for a total of 11 UK so that's unreal. credits. Yeah, that's it's, a whole semester. That's pretty much a whole semester. Um, on top of those, you also get the, uh, I think it is the EXP 599, the one credit mm -hmm. for study abroad. So um, when you price it out, um, it actually turns out to be in a very affordable way to continue your education, to get credits over the summer and to experience something really new and different. Mm -hmm. um, and as Sue mentioned, because these are run by UK faculty, it means that there's no question of the credits transferring from study abroad to your degree program. They're already approved and vetted for that purpose. Mm -hmm. What are the, the goals, do you think, for these programs, in your, from your point of view, as the, as the instructors, as the, the people who are leading them? What do you want students to experience, what, come away with? I mean, our goal for this program is to get students an affordable opportunity mm -hmm. for first-hand experience doing research, basically. Um, and I think this is a very valuable kind of opportunity, and we're dedicated to keeping it going for UK students. Many students who've been through it have benefited enormously from it. They may not have continued on as researchers, but they've been able to use what they learned in Oaxaca um, in any number of fields. Sure. Mm -hmm. For our program, the goals and, and desired outcomes are, are pretty clear. We want the students to have a good experience of Italy and an exposure to all that it has to offer, exposure to art, to food, to culture, to the civic life of the city that they're in, to the people. We also want them to have an academic experience of language and cultural study, that they approach it in a disciplined mm -hmm. way um, that is appropriate <coughs> to their degree program, 
And then thirdly, we want them to have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, studying abroad, as you said, is an opportunity that doesn't necessarily come at every stage of your life. Right. So if you're at a chance, if you have the chance when you're young to do it, then you can do it and do it in a good way and, and really have an enjoyable time that will carry with you for the rest of your life. Yeah. What challenges do program, leading programs like this um, bring to, to your sense of teaching? Or how do you teach this how will you be teaching this differently than you would in a traditional classroom? We've looked at a lot of how students' experiences will be um, affected by this by this program, but we haven't really talked about you as teachers, right? And that's that's part of what brings you to this and developing such innovative programs. Matt, do you have any well, thoughts? Well, I would say that approaching it as a teacher, the challenge is a little bit in preparation. Mm-hmm. You have to have a very good sense of what you want to do before you go over because you can't depend that you're going to have the same resources for library or the same resources for university support. Mm. So, for example, when we go to Arezzo, we're going to have a dedicated school facility um, and a very nice one, but it's not the same as if I could go to my office and get the kinds of materials that I want um, to have them easily in reach. So as a teacher, I want to make sure that I'm well-prepared and I have a sense of what I want to do. Um, And if necessary, to be able to get the textbooks and the materials that the students will need ahead Mm -hmm. of time as well. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I guess that as well, the (laughs) challenge is making sure that the students are prepared for what they're going to experience, at least in the most uh, necessary ways, that you have your passports ready, um, that you've got your travel arranged so that you can get to to and from the program in a good way. Um, That students realize that as um, familiar as it may be to be around American students or UK faculty, that they are in a foreign culture. They're in a foreign country, um, and they need to think of it accordingly. Um, So on the one hand, uh, UK education abroad makes it very accessible. But on the other hand, we still have to realize that this is study abroad, and we're entering into Mm -hmm. different countries, and we need to make sure that we're aware of that. Absolutely. Sue, thoughts? I think the big difference between teaching on campus here in Lexington and teaching in Oaxaca is the involvement of people from the community mm-hmm. in Oaxaca. So each of these courses has a lot of guest speakers and there are a lot of trips where <coughs> we're hosted by um, local people telling us about this or that aspect of their lives or work. So it's, it's it, there's a bigger diversity of instructors, I guess, and it's coordinating that that is the key. Mm-hmm. We, we've been singing the praises of education abroad in these various shows that we've been doing on education abroad, and rightfully so because they have done amazing work. But I also just wanted to be sure to sing your praises as innovative teachers, and it shows a real dedication to to your to your teaching craft and your your connection with students to want to go and spend your summers doing this as well. Well, well hopefully it's fun and enjoyable for us too. Yeah, so, yeah. And I should be clear that I am not the primary instructor of the Oaxaca courses. It's a guy called Oliver Froling who mm-hmm. lives in Oaxaca and is a UK mm-hmm. alum and UK um, adjunct professor. Mm-hmm. And your both of your email addresses are available on the program description websites through Education Abroad. So as Sue mentioned, questions um, can be directed to to you um, through those sites and yeah, as well as the, the Italian instructors. Yeah, I was just going to say, following up on what Sue had said before, that for the study abroad in Arezzo, the Vivere <coughs> Italia program, you can contact both of the directors in modern and classical languages, that is Ioana Larco 
and in the English department it's Matthew John Carlo. Our contact information is available on the department websites. Mm -hmm. You can also go to the Education Abroad website and the Education Abroad office and they've got all the information there including a breakdown of the programs and a breakdown of the cost so that students will know right up front how much it's going to cost and what the expenses, what the different due dates and expenses are going to be. Mm -hmm. The registration deadline for these study abroad programs for the summer two session is on March 1st, so that's coming up in about a month. And that's also the deadline for applying for the various scholarships for study abroad. On The deadline is March 1st. And there is, in fact, a lot of money available for students, mm -hmm. and that can help to offset the cost of travel and other things. So I, I do urge students to look into that as well. Mm -hmm. Lots of resources available through Education Abroad, including just people there to answer your questions. Um, as Tony Ogden has said, there's there's info sessions every day that at the study abroad, education abroad offices from students who have gone on programs like these come have come back and tell their tales of <laughs> transformation and exploration. So um, <clears throat> we really encourage everyone to, to take full advantage. Um, I want to close and just thank you both, Susan and Matt, for being here and talking about your fascinating programs. So exciting to hear what you're up to. And Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, thank you for being thank here. Thank you very much. And this has been another installment of Office Hours, where our door is always open. Um, it's uh, on 88.1 WRFL, Radio Free Lexington. I'm your host, Sarah Schutze, here, and saying goodbye to our board man, Brian connors Mankey. Until next week. Until we meet again. Indeed. Farewell. Office Hours is produced in cooperation with WRFL and the College of Arts and Sciences at the University of Kentucky. This broadcast theme song is Sandu, performed by Hugo Drupi Contini and provided by the Free Music Archive.